Listen up. This is PC Insider Hit, powered by Miss Kelly Furniture, Mississippi's number one, number one sleep store. What a game in the Rose Bowl over the weekend. Man, oh man, Michigan prevails over the Alabama Crimson Tide. Harbaugh and the Wolverines continue to overcome the adversity and the odds. And they are in the national championship game in Houston, Texas against uh, Washington. It's weird that we're saying this. Michigan and Washington. No SEC team. And uh, I love that the Alabama Crimson Tide got beat. Y'all know going into the uh, game that I was pulling for Michigan. And we are the Out of Bounds Show. ESPN 105.9 The Zone. T-Town two and a half hours from here. My dad attended the University of Alabama, but, you know, enough's enough. They've got enough in their trophy case, and uh, we need to see something new. Plus, this whole Harbaugh experiment has been fascinating for me. Um, It feels like just the other day he was down here in Pearl, Mississippi, in the Jackson metro area, running a football camp and ticking everybody off in his first year as the Michigan Wolverines head coach. Now, years later, he has built them into a uh, national championship game program. We welcome in Steve Dace at Michigan Podcast. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Steve was in the Rose Bowl for the game. And this segment is brought to you by the one and only Purple Mattress from any of the Miskelly Sleep Stores in Mississippi. The one, the only Purple Grid. Groundbreaking, no-pressure gel technology is the star of every Purple Mattress. Steve Dace, good morning. How are you? I'm good, Bo. Good morning. Happy New Year to all of you. Happy New Year, buddy. Had you ever been to the uh, Rose Bowl or a Rose Bowl game? I've been to the stadium a few times, never been there for a game, and it was uh, uh, it was incredible. I mean, it's, um, the term iconic in this case cannot be overused. Uh, I mean, it, it's it, the stadium is both uh, dated and updated in all the uh, right ways and uh, – I would kind of say the Rose Bowl and the experience of the game, Alabama basically wearing rose, you know, tinted uh, uniforms and Michigan in the home blues, iconic jerseys, two winningest programs, that setting, perfect weather. Uh, I mean, they do it right. It's old. It's, it's kind of one of the last things left, bow of old California. And what I mean by that is, you know, the, the state that took Americana and then, you know, blew it up with glitz and glamour. It kind of looked to embellish America's uh, traditions, not the new California looks to destroy them, you know. So this is kind of what's left of the old, one of the few things left of the old California. I visited Disneyland the day before, and my goodness, just like they are in the movie side, they go out of their way to do whatever they can to make things difficult and alienate you. <laughs> so uh, the, the Rose Bowl is, uh, it's, it's a dying breed uh, of uh, a state of California that, we all used to look at and admire and wish we lived there growing up. And as we've gotten older, are glad we don't. Yeah. Well, okay. So uh, w- what was the crowd like? What was the split between Michigan and Bama fans roughly, Steve? So I, I was able to get, uh, you know, a, a listener to my show is a, uh, one of the mucky mucks there at the Rose Bowl. And he gave us, you know, VIP access the day before we got to tour everything around the stadium. And, uh, during that experience, he told me that they were anticipating it might be 70-30 Michigan based on what they were seeing with ticket sales and uh, just, you know, from a marketing standpoint. 
I would say on game day it was probably it was definitely a Michigan home game, but probably closer to sixty forty. Um, and it was uh, one of the most unique experiences I've ever had at a sporting event was listening to both fan bases' fourth quarter songs kind of play back to back and the reactions that each had to them. Uh, and when they fired up the Mr. Brightside, the Alabama side was just kind of like, what the hell is this? And just kind of watched Michigan do its uh, Mr. Brightside thing. And then when they fired up Dixieland Delight uh, for Alabama, Michigan's fans for them, you know, were kind of were, were kind of their typical Michigan standoffish polite for a while. And then towards the end, um, you know, we're kind of belligerent. I mean, they tried to change it down with let's go blue chance. And uh. you know, I've, I've just, I've seen a turn in the Michigan fan base this year, Bo. And, and I've, I, it is the whole experience with this fake scandal of sign stealing. And this is the worst thing of all time. And the way the big 10 behaved, um, it took a while. It took a while. I mean, for decades, we've kind of, this is a fan base that has, has, has preferred to lose with honor uh, than to do what it takes to win. And of course, honor is, you know, whatever feeds our sanctimonious elitist perspective about ourselves. Um, but this experience, if you all wanted a, more, a ruthless records version of Michigan, you all ever wanted to know what would happen if Michigan came down off the high horse and said, F all you all, you've got it now. Okay. I mean, this is, this is not a, this is not the Michigan fan base of old, now, who knows? This might not be a long-term thing. You know, it might be directly tied to this team. But uh, this is a fan base for the first time that uh, it, it's enjoying wearing the black hat. And I love it. Steve Dace, Michigan Insider at Michigan Podcast on Twitter. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. He was out in California at the Rose Bowl as Michigan prevails in overtime. Unbelievable back and forth, ebb and flow of the game everybody you know we're watching it we're on the edge of our seat big plays um bad plays the way that michigan overcame uh alabama dominating in special teams and you know here's what i was thinking about steve in the game um we we watch bama all the time mississippi state and Ole miss play them every year and and everybody else in the west we're doing away with the division starting next year but we've all seen bama play a million times and i don't think people i think you do but most people outside of the Sun Belt and the SEC don't understand how damn difficult it is to beat them and what you have to do. Um, my takeaway from your team and what Harbaugh and JJ and God, your defensive coaches um, accomplished in, in the trenches was that you gifted them two turnovers right. on the plus side. Right. And when you do that, Steve, you lose to Alabama and y'all didn't. And that tells me a lot about your program, your kids, and damn Harbaugh's and, and some of the guys around him can flat out coach football. I think if you if you know if I could distill this game down to what you watched on Monday, Bo, you, you basically watched old Alabama play new Alabama. Okay, I mean you basically watched the program that that gave um, Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram Heisman trophies. And, and, and maybe and almost gave one to Trent Richardson versus the team, the program of Jalen Milrow, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, where, where Nick realized this has now become an up-tempo quarterback-driven sport and evolved. 
Well, well, Harbaugh is attempting to take it. He tried to evolve, and it, it ended up with two nationally televised embarrassments against Ohio State back-to-back. And so he, he went back. He went Rocky three, man. I mean, he went like with Apollo Creed. He went back to the hood, all right? He got the eye of the tiger back, okay? And, and so he's trying to bring sexy back. He's, he's type trying to bring college football back to where it was before linemen could go downfield, all right? And, and, and so you watched old Alabama beat new Alabama uh, at the New Year's, uh, on New Year's Day. But there's a little bit of a college basketball flavor to it as well. You know, one of the things you hear a lot in March is get old, stay old. That teams that are able to keep players together with experience end up beating these Kentucky type of programs with all these 18-year-old McDonald's All-Americans. Every March we're seeing it uh, for the last several years. And, and what you saw here, if you watch this game, I don't know what, I'm, I'm going to watch the TV copies tonight, actually. I still haven't seen them. Uh, but uh, being there on the field, what really stood out to me is we physically, from an eye test standpoint, looked every bit like they do. And keep in mind, there's 18 five-star recruits by at least one major service in Alabama's program, Bo. That's more than exists in the entire Big Ten conference on the two, in 2023. The entire Big Ten. Wow. And, and so what you saw, what you're seeing with the NIL approach is Michigan has zigged where everybody else has zagged. Everybody else is dropping bags for 17, 18-year-old kids who haven't done a damn thing. What Jim is doing is approaching this from an NFL perspective, which is you want to destroy a locker room, give a bunch of 17, 18-year-old kids and their parents, by the way, who have done nothing all this money, and then try to manage that as they enter into your program against guys who have been here for three, four, or with COVID five or six years. And so instead what Michigan did is it went to a bunch of its kids that were going to be second or third day draft picks and said, we'll pay you at least as much as the NFL will in the first couple of years if you come back. That's how Zach Zinter came back. That's how as well as the timetable of, you know, how, when his knee injury would rehab, that's how Blake Corum came back. That's how Trevor Keegan came back. Uh, and, and, and then, so Michigan has decided we're going to get old and stay old. I mean, I don't think people understand much of this roster, it won't after this season, but much of this roster has the eligibility to return again next year. We could, we could, we could, we could, Corum still has eligibility. We could essentially start almost every single player that started in the Rose Bowl again next year if they wanted to return. And so Michigan has decided to take another approach, which is, we are just not, I, from his NFL experience, Harbaugh knows, putting a bunch of rookies in there without a salary cap and all these big deals. Pay the veterans. Pay the guys who have proven themselves. That's how you have built a culture. Those guys stick around. And so, when, so Trevor Keegan was a borderline top 150 recruit when he came out of college. Probably somebody Alabama looked at but thought they could get a top 50 recruit. But with three to four years under Ben Herbert of development, he's a grown-ass man. And so – you put him now at age 22 next to Alabama's 19-year-old five-star, and you cannot tell a difference whatsoever. And I think that also played out when the adversity late in the game hit. Again, these are grown men, all right? And so they have faced – they're already – some of these guys already have wives, already have kids, already have responsibilities. So they're, they're, they're used to facing these kinds of things that maybe – you know, I think of a kid from not far from where I'm talking to you now, Caden Proctor, played not far from where I'm talking to you from right now in Iowa. You know, this, this is, he's facing all this stuff for the first time. Chances are in four years, 
Caden Proctor will be a better football player than Trevor Keegan is right now. But they're not playing four years from now, Bo. They're playing right now. Steve Dace, Michigan Insider, Michigan-Washington in Houston for the national championship game, and uh, Michigan takes down the mighty Alabama Crimson Tide. Interesting what you're talking about there. Lane Kiffin's doing a lot of that at at Ole Miss as far as retaining um, older kids. There's some other programs doing that, and and you're right. That model has has worked for Harbaugh. Um, so when you look at – I don't know how much you've looked at Washington, but Penix Jr. is a hell of a player. He's been in college for kind of where you're going for like 12 years, and, and they've got some wide receivers that are unbelievable. See, one thing that I thought in the game – Steve talking about Michigan and Washington coming up is that um, the Alabama coaches didn't trust Milrow as the game unfolded to drop back and make a play. Is that what mm-hmm. you saw? Yeah, I think they didn't trust their protection more than anything else. And um, I think it was pretty clear from the jump that Michigan had schemed up some things that they had not seen. But here's the other problem, though. You know, we have the Georgia-like defensive line this year. I mean, we, we have the, 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 as Jim Harbaugh calls them, we have the mutants. I mean, we, we have the guys who are 300 pounds running four fives. Hell, we've got Kenneth Grant, who's 360 pounds, running down all big, the all Big Ten running back from behind, 40 yards downfield. And so we had the ability now that if we had to play straight up and drop back, we could. Um, that also gives us the flexibility to send people if we wanted to. And I think what they didn't trust is their protection schemes. And I think in the second half, you saw them really try to simplify things. They found soft edges. You know, Michigan was attempting uh, to collapse the pocket around Milrow so that he could not escape to run when we brought pressure. And, and I think that they found some soft edges to run against that, those, those attempts at the old adage, like when you played a Lawrence Taylor kind of a blitzer, run right at him. And I think they found some success where that was concerned. But the reality is, if you watch this game, you look at the yardage, you look at the rea- – you mentioned it. I mean, as great as this game was because of its finish, if Michigan doesn't go out – I mean, Michigan has, has had one of the top five special teams units this year, the previous year. Almost every year Harbaugh has been here. That's the worst – and as a Michigan fan, Bo, I've watched a lot of losing bowl games. That is the worst bowl game special teams performance I've ever seen from Michigan. One of the worst I've ever seen – in a college football bowl game. I mean, you mentioned the gifted points. The reality is if Michigan plays a clean game, they win this game by two scores. Yes. The drama that we're talking about is just, you know, it's a, we're having a different conversation about the game. Um, so um, I, I think in the end, Michigan really is just a better football team right now. And I think Alabama's probably a team. You know, I watched a lot of the Alabama kids do what we did after we lost to Georgia, kind of sit there and watch the celebration. You know, if I had to guess, you're probably looking at them or Georgia as next year's preseason number one team. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't want to burst. Look, you're trying to win a national ch- Are you going to Houston? I can't, man. I, I, it's just too quick of a turnaround. And I've got duties here at home with work and everything Oh, I else. get it. I get it. But um, um, I this one, I think I want to... I want the best seat you can get, which nowadays is, frankly, on your 70-inch big screen yes. in your base. So, yeah. you know, but the Rose Bowl is different, man. That, that is the experience of being there. If you ever get the chance to go, 
um, you have to check that off your bucket list. I mean, it, it, it basically is everything we love about college football is embodied in that game. Um, if you look at the national championship game, I, when I was back in Ann Arbor in November uh, for the Purdue game, I sat down for dinner with a couple of uh, little birdies I have and boosters at Michigan, and they asked me who, wh- who I thought was the one team that scared me when it came to winning the national championship. And I, I said the one team that scared me was Washington, and it's because you can do everything right, and they just you know arm punt it to one of those three receivers and they blow you up for 50 yards. Um, and I think that's, that's, you know, we have three excellent corners, but you're just not going to stop those guys all game long. No. Um, you know, our, our program has kind of come full circle here. The, the moment that it was clear we were in trouble in 2020, it wasn't when we lost to Michigan State. Michigan State's upset great Michigan teams in the past. It was the next week we went on the road to Indiana against Michael Penix, and he threw up. He threw all over us, and Joe Milton threw up all over himself. And that's when it was like, oh no! I mean, Indiana hasn't beaten us since 1987, and they just ran us off the field. Like we didn't even belong here. So this kind of has come full circle. Now we're going to face Penix again. You're right. He's been in college football as long as some of our guys have been. So he has seen it all. And if you go back, the last time we won a national championship was against this university from Washington. It was against Ryan Leaf and Washington State. And so now we're going to try to do it against the University of Washington. The, the, you know, I've watched a lot of Washington this year. The, the one thing I am confident is that if we're going to be able to move the line of scrimmage against them and run the football, our offensive line, I'm not saying Zach Zinner is, is, is arguably the best player in our program, uh, or at least he's at least one of the three or five best players. But our offensive line is actually better right now, and here's why. For the, we, had, we, we chose to put our best five guys out there, but that, but that meant putting Carson Barnhart at tackle, and he's just not a tackle. He's a guard. And you watched when we got later into the year, Purdue has a couple of good edge rushers. One of them's in the portal now. He's going to make a ton of money. You saw it with Chop Robinson at Penn State. Um, he's going to be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. You saw it against Ohio State with their two rush ends who are all both going to be in the NFL. On an island, he just cannot – that's just not who he is. He's not quick enough, doesn't it? And guys were getting around soft edges and getting, up and getting to J.J., uh, and he was taking too many hits. But what this has allowed us to do now is to move Barnhart back to where he was all Big Ten last year at guard, play him there. And then um, we, put, we bring in Trent A. Jones, who was a big-time recruit that we uh, got out of Georgia several years ago and has always been a great run blocker against Alabama and those pass rushers. I mean, Bo, they had in the entire game, was it Braswell and Turner, I believe, those two guys who are going to get called, and their name's called early in the draft in April. That the, with those two guys, the entire Alabama defense had one sack and one tackle for loss, and that tackle for loss was against our scout team quarterback, Alex Orji. All right? So I think now we actually have five guys that are playing their natural positions. I think we will control the line of scrimmage against them. We'll run the football against them. I think we will limit their possessions. I do think they're going to get their points. I think we'll have to score 30-31 to win this game. Um, I, but, but right now I think we're looking at somewhere around 34-27 to 27 Michigan. They're going to get some. Those receivers are too good. Um, they're, they're, going to, they're going to find a zone. They're just going to throw it up and arm punt it and get it. But I think that we're going to see – I think you're going to see J.J. play great. Uh, and I think you're going to see us really run the ball effectively. I wouldn't be shocked if 
if Blake Horn had his highest rushing percent rushing yardage output of the year. And the thing you want to talk about, legends. You know, this year, Blake Horn, every single one of his touchdown runs that were more than five yards were the game-closing. It was these three runs, the game-closing touchdown run against Penn State, the game-winning touchdown run against Ohio State, the play right after his inter got injured, and then the game-winning touchdown run in overtime. Those are the only three of his 25 touchdowns that went over five yards, Bo, and they were the three biggest touchdowns Michigan scored this season. Wow. All right, Steve Dace, Michigan Insider on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. I've only got a minute, Steve. I agree with you. I think uh, I think Harbaugh is going to shorten the game and bleed the clock and try to keep Penix and those three dudes off the field as much as he can. Uh, having said all that, i got to ask this, and I know we'll have you on in, in, in a week or two, a couple weeks. Uh, do you think this is it? Win or lose for Harbaugh at Michigan with the Don Yee stuff. They, if, I think if they lose, it's 50-50 um, that this is it. If they win, I think it's probably 70-30-80-20 that this is it. He's climbed the summit. And he's got an heir apparent sitting there in Sharon Moore um, who is ready to take over. And, hey, when's the last time Michigan could hire a coach that's already proven he can beat Ohio State, right? So Sharon Moore's already done it. So I think that, you know, it's 90-plus percent that Jim Harbaugh or Sharon Moore will be coaching this team next year. All right, we'll leave it there. He is Steve Dace at Michigan Podcast on Twitter. Michigan Insider just got back from the Rose Bowl. We'll have Michigan and Washington. Could be a hell of a game um, next week after this big NFL weekend. Steve, thanks, man. We'll talk soon. You bet. Go Blue. Steve Dace on the Out of Bounds Show, brought to you by the Purple Mattress from any of the Miskelly Sleep Stores. The one, the only purple grid, groundbreaking, no pressure gel technology is the star of every purple mattress. I slept on one last night. You can find them at any of the Miskelly Sleep Stores. Also, as you get ready for the NFL playoffs and the national championship and the Super Bowl, you may need to upgrade the bar stools, the recliner, or the sectional. That's all powered and presented by Miskelly Furniture in Pearl. Good morning. Welcome in. Jason wanted to know if Harbaugh's coming back. So he said if Harbaugh loses 50-50, if Harbaugh and Michigan win 70-30-80-20. Um, we still don't know, you know, exactly what. And don't don't get me wrong. Harbaugh's had to – he knows. He's smart, right? He, he, he gets the landscape of the NFL and where, where he would like to be and where possibly he could actually get an offer. Um, yeah, I think he's tired of uh, the nonsense around the Michigan program, right? It's obvious Ohio State and some of the other teams are not happy with the resurgence of Michigan. I don't understand that. So they're okay. It's funny how people are and how we're wired in the world and society. We're okay with this group being a power. But not this. <laughs> so, yeah, we're okay with Ohio State running the conference. And we know what Urban Meyer did. He brought SEC recruiting to the Big Ten and didn't apologize for it. Remember when he flipped the Wisconsin player from Brett Bielema early on? Uh, and that, like, was a no-no. We laughed at that, right? I mean, there's bags of cash flying around the night before signing day and morning of in the SEC for 50 years. Um, but there's something about Michigan poking the bear. Or maybe it's just hardball rubs people wrong to that extent. I'm not sure. Good morning. Welcome in the Out of Bounds Show brought to you by Mississippi Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Center. MississippiSportsMedicine.com. Steve Palazzolo at 830. Larry Boa at 930.